our D and Davis show. And right now we are joined by the host of the Under the Hood. You can find him weeknights on ESPN Chicago. Under the Hood with Jay Hood, I apologize. You can find him weeknights on ESPN 1000. Uh, he is our mentor, our big brother, to say the least. And I don't use that lightly. I'm not mm-hmm. one boss's mentor out like that. But it's just like, that's my mentor, that's my mentor, that's my mentor. Now, this dude right here, um, a beacon, uh, we always appreciate it. And definitely with uh, D leaving, uh, we want to make sure we get in at least a couple of the guys that mean a lot to us. And it's the one, the only, Jay Hood. Jonathan Hood joining us. How are you doing this afternoon, Jonathan? Uh, Ken, D, it is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always. Um, as always. We look up to you, dude. Um, <laughs> you're doing big stuff as always. You hold down the brothers over at ESPN. Always shout out to our guy, Sean Davis. Mm-hmm. And it's the return of sports. Uh, one, so here on the south side, let's do south side, north side. But here on the south side, Sunday and Monday, we would, our chest was poking out. We were feeling mighty, mighty about ourselves. Yeah. Last exhibition game, the Brewers come in. It was like, I just want to remind you. And then the Twins, old school, I felt like Tory Hunter was out in the outfield. The Twins came and whooped on our heads for a minute yesterday. The Sox were tied up 5-5. And I think all of us still felt like, yeah, this isn't our game. Mm-hmm. So it's a short sampling size so far, Jay Hood. Uh, but looking at both sides of town, I saw you talking about the Cubs base running being similar to last year. And you want to happen up that magical coming to second. So what are your thoughts on this small sample size and what's going on in the north and south side? Well, you know, with these 60 games, Ken, uh, one loss feels like three because it's just that urgent. Um, you know, for all of us as baseball fans, it always comes across as urgent. You're trying to win as many games as possible. But because it's 60, um, it's really urgent to be able to try to win some games here. And just watching the game yesterday for the opener, I was uh, disappointed in Garcia at second base. Uh, but the one thing that we do know is that the Sox can hit, but the Twins can hit too. Uh, they had over 300 home runs last year. So I, I really believe that Rick Hahn looked at the Twins and their lineup and how many home runs they hit, and they're like, yeah, we need to match this as close as possible, right? Uh, and so by having Encarnacion in the lineup, having uh, Grandal in the lineup, that really helps. Um, but if the Twins are anything like they were last year, they're going to be a problem. Uh, the, the saving grace is, is that the playoffs are, are expanded, so maybe the White Sox have an opportunity to get in the playoffs. If they don't, I'm not going to be salty mm-hmm. because I really believe the bell will ring for them in 2021. But I, um, the way they played yesterday, you know, Giolito is supposed to be the ace, and they're watching Giolito out there. And, you know, he just had the heavy Freddie Garcia sweat going, like, early. I mean, early. I mean, early he was like 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 Freddie used to sweat. Freddie used to sweat like that, of course, because he was partying the night before. But the point is that <laughs> the Alito was out there sweating because he was nervous, clearly. Um, and uh, the Twin Cities was ready for him, you know. And so I, I'm just looking forward to seeing how the ebb and flow of this goes because these 60 games, anything can happen. Jonathan, you mentioned uh, Lucas, Giolito, Lucas Giolito looking like he was nervous. Do you think it was a mistake not starting Dallas Keuchel? Because as you also said, one game is like three. You need, you need to get there, and it's not a marathon. It's a sprint this season. No, I mean, Giolito's the guy. I mean, uh, and here's why. Uh, Keuchel just got here. So think about that message you send in the locker room. If you bring Keuchel in and be like, you're going to start the opening day, and Giolito will be like, well, Wait, what a, mm-hmm. I've, I've been here. Look at what I did last year. So having Keuchel take a little bit of a backseat, it's good. Keuchel might have his opportunity to be an opening day starter for the Sox at one point. He's got a three-year deal. 
But Giolito needed that ball because of how well he played. It's kind of um, it's a reward, D, for what he did last year. Like, yeah, yeah. The ball. You deserve it. You know? mm-hmm. D is a Giolito hater. That's why he, he's bringing it. He doesn't have faith in the, the matinee star looks of Lucas Giolito. Uh, so he, he's been taking swipes. Now, I, I guess that's the question he – because I was going to leave that question to him because I thought that's what he was going to do. <laughs> you believe in what – even though you kind of say it was a tale of two halves last season with Lucas Giolito. It was. From what you saw last season, do you think – and maybe not top of the line ace. Maybe we could say he's the number two and we – or we just have a, a – we got a bunch of guys. You know, nobody's just the herald at number one. But do you have faith in what you saw that Lucas G. Little has turned the corner and at least he can be a guy that uh, uh, just eats up quality starts moving forward? Um, not last night, not Friday night, but there was going to be a time because he showed us last year. But I understand Dee's point, though, Ken, because it's about – um, show me, right? Show me what you did last year uh, that you could do it this year. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally understand that. Like, anytime someone has a performance out of nowhere, remember, Giolito was not very good a couple of years ago, and he got everything straight. I had soft for once for Don Cooper. I don't like to give that dude hardly any credit. I mean, he's been here forever. Uh, he's that bum that will just never go away. He's that dude in your apartment <laughs> building. You're like, how is he still here, right? How is he still – how is Don Cooper still here? How does he still have a job? That just shows you the rise of loyalty. But yeah, um, I, I just um, – I think that it's fair to look at Giolito and just say, show me again. Uh, and so mm-hmm. yesterday's performance wasn't good. If he – it looks like he did uh, in, in ne- next few starts – like you did yesterday, that's not going to be good. Looking at – just looking at both pitching rosters on the north side or the south side, which one do you feel most comfortable with? You look at what Kyle Hendricks pulled off with the three-hitter complete game uh, yesterday. Uh, and, again, we know he's a tinkerer, so who knows how the professor's going to be in a month or whatever because he likes to mess around with this stuff. And sometimes when you're doing that, you have to make adjustments. But sometimes you can just do a little bit, tab it too much. But looking at how well he pitched, looking how Dallas Keiko pitched – an exhibition, which as far as the, the frontline starters and including the bullpen, do you feel uh, most comfortable with either on the north side or the south side, Jay Hood? The White Sox. The White Sox. Uh, um, and I can even look to the back of the rotation, look at someone like Gio Gonzalez and someone that <clears throat> probably deserves to be a fourth starter. Um, Giolito uh, in there with Keiko, who's shown what he could do. Even Rodon uh, could be a fifth or sixth starter as a young player. Um so I look at that rotation and just believe that that's a stronger rotation. It's not a shot at the Cubs, but we know that after this year, Lester's done. Like, Lester's out of the Cubs, and he's 36. And um, he told Jesse Rogers recently, he goes, man, I didn't know, like, the end would look like this, like 60 games. I'm going to pitch, like, 12 starts or whatever. And so there's a reason why that um, – there's a reason why Lester didn't get the ball for opening day and Hendricks did. I think there's a reason for that is because I believe that, you know, at some point they're going to look at Lester and say, there's no reason to bring him back. Exactly. Mm. Look real quick. When you just mentioned Jesse Rogers uh, talking to John Lester, yeah. Did Lester imply, though, it can be a benefit only getting 12 starts instead of getting the whole season, being that he's long in the tooth right now, how that can maybe help him? Or is it just since it's, it's a merit – I mean, it's, it's a, tra- a track meet uh, sprint, rather, that that may be somewhat uh, taxing on him? No, I, I think he's um, – I think he's good with these starts. You know, he's a competitor. Um, 
And it's just kind of like Jake Peavy was. It's like red face competitor, believes he can go out there and be able to strike down everybody, you know, strike out everybody and win every game. So, no, I, I think that that he's good with it. Um, and they all have to. You got to have the choice, right? Mm-hmm. Out of these 60 games, if you get to the playoffs, you're going to pitch a few more extra games, sure. But I think he's good with it. I think he's good with the amount of games um, that he, he's going to be pitching. I just <clears throat> I just look at this at cup rotation, Ken, and I look at um, – like you, Darvish. Like I never believed in Darvish coming to the Cubs. Never yeah, liked that either. move. Mm-hmm. Never liked the move. Did not like. I saw him at the end of his tenure with Los Angeles, and I thought the Cubs signed him. That's gonna be a problem. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I didn't. I didn't think he had it. Now on top of that, dude didn't even want to pitch this year. He had to be talked into coming to to the camp. He wasn't going to be pitching out there. He was going to pass it up. And you have every right, by the way, with COVID nineteen. If yeah. you don't want to play, that's fine. But he kind of was talked into it. That's not that's not great. Like either make a decision or not. Don't let me have to convince you to come. That doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. Um, so I've never been a Darvish guy. Remember when he first got to Los Angeles and when his first year with the Cubs, and dude was like ducking and hiding. He wouldn't come out to the like uh, out on the field. He would be like mm-hmm. in the back in some back room. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. You grown ass man. What what you do? What are you guys doing? Like what? Like I do. You were with the Dodgers. You failed at the end. Now you're a Cub. It's different now. Face the music, man. And like he's avoiding the press and all in the back. Like okay, that's that's just weird. Um. So and with Hendricks, you mentioned him. So I don't know if Kyle Hendricks is good. Do y'all know if Hendricks? Like I know Kyle Hendricks is a is a pitcher's pitcher. Spots mm. the ball. Ain't never going to overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy to be able to spot, you know, spot his pitches. And I like that. I don't know if he is going to be any better than a number two starter. Yeah. And that's good, though. That's good. Yeah. That's a place for him. Yeah. I just don't know if he's an overwhelming guy for some team. No, I totally agree with that. Dean Davis show on his line with us right now. Well, Zoom is you watching us. Uh, Jonathan Hood, make sure you follow Jonathan on Twitter at Tweet. Oh, 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 well, you throwing it to me. Mm, tweet J Hood at Tweet J Hood. Uh, hey, so just wrap it up with the Cubs. What do you, how do you see them playing in this 60 game sprint? Do you feel good about them? I think, I think I could say they're probably going to make the playoffs because it is a talent is just right there. You have David Ross, uh, first time manager. But what do you think about the Cubs overall in this, in this season? I've always thought, T, that they've underachieved the last two years. They're better than this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because, like, like, what team does not want Jason Hayward? What team wouldn't want Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, Contreras? Just as your core, throw Schwarber in there as well. Who, who wouldn't want those players, right? For whatever reason, they have slumped for the last two years offensively. And defensively, I think they've slipped a little bit as well. The numbers prove that out, that they were not sharp the last couple of years uh, defensively. So I just think that the core of the team is good. It's a veteran team. It's a team that should stay together, at least for this year, and it may be up to 2021. But if you don't play to your potential, it's like, shouldn't that team be a playoff? I mean, to me, they should be a playoff team this year. They should be. Right. But there's a shelf life to it if you're not playing the game right. right like, for instance, now you have Bryant at the top of the lineup, Bryant Rizzo. Okay, so it's not like when you and I was coming up where we need to have a fast guy at the top of the lineup. You just want a contact guy, right? Yeah, right. All right, cool. Like, Brian Rose and base is fine, and Rizzo's a good contact guy. That's not the answer, but that's what the answer that they have. Uh, I'm also disappointed in the Cubs in this regard. Like, it's not this team. It's the minor league system. 
you actually can be able to develop and have players on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, the Dodgers have done it. Astros have done it. I did a lot of research coming into this season just trying to figure out the, the question, can you develop young talent and be really good? I can't, how come the Cubs' only young guy is Nico Horner? That's, a, that's, that's all they have. Like, everything is, based, is predicated on veteran presence. And so that, those veterans should be able to play better. And so I see them as a playoff team. I think they can win over 30 games this season and get themselves in the postseason. Hmm. So let me ask you this. Um, being in the recording this moment, you mentioned COVID-19. You also talked about you, Darvish, uh, having to be talked into coming back word and being concerned about – uh, his health. How, do you have mixed emotions, one, with, 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 with social change taking place and now sports coming back, or is it a situation where, I, I hate to say it, maybe some of the momentum has slowed down anyway, especially with some of the things that have taken place in the past weeks where certain people start sprouting going this way, and it's like, wait, keep the blinders on. We're, we're going in this direction. Um, looking at, for instance, like the Cubs, no, nobody kneeled uh, with the Cubs, uh, Jason Heron felt like it was enough progression, pro progress that it, it wasn't necessarily where at least six Sox players uh, definitely took a knee. Like, how do you wrap yourself around being a brother around um, sports coming back also with COVID-19 and, and the risks and um, also even applying to yourself some of the risks out there and how you've had to move different? Well, um, as far as players are concerned, Kenneth, you do what you do what's comfortable for you. And, and kneeling is, is an action, but also the action is to be able to speak about the social injustice and stuff that's happening in our communities. If Anthony Rizzo can get on the radio and talk about Black Lives Matter, he don't have to kneel for me. Mm -hmm. See, that, that's the whole thing. People are, yeah. the media are continues to try to count how many people that's kneeling who's not. Unless you are that dude from San Francisco that says, I'm not going to kneel because God wouldn't want me to kneel, which is nonsense. Right. Um, then, then that's something. But everybody's not comfortable with that in that space. But what you do like is if someone that is not of color, and that's the whole key. It's one thing for you and I and for, for um, D to talk about it. But if there's uh, Latinos, if there's white people, uh, if there are people that you think are so old school that you don't think they would talk about it, those people, when they say Black Lives Matter and they talk about the social injustices, that resonates with me as much as if you knelt, if you kneeled. That's how, that's how I look at it. I'm, and I'm happy to see that. Um, but I don't turn a side eye to players that feel like they, not, they won't kneel. People, these players that don't kneel, doesn't necessarily mean that they are against our movement and our and what's going on with us. They just feel more comfortable standing during the anthem, and I'm good with that. I'm good with it, um, and I'm good with those that do want to kneel also. But it's about what you do in these streets. It's what you talk about to uh, be able to ha uh, have awareness of what is going on with the stories like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, mm. what's going on with social injustice. So that's, that's how I look at it. Um, I, I heard the comments from, um, I guess, Kyrie Irving and a few others about, well, you know, when sports comes back now, we're not going to be focused on uh, Black Lives Matter. We're not going to be focused on uh, the show social injustices. I can't tell Portland that. That's lit everywhere. They all, they all out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I was like, man, you talk about like woke, woke times 10. Like every night there's something popping off in Portland. Yeah. Um, and, and you're getting that instills in pockets in this country. I disagree with Kyrie and, and others that think that because sports is back, all good. So no one's shooting each other in the street. Oh, so police is not 
uh, going against black people, Latino people, people of color uh, in these streets. No, I think we could do both. My, my initial thought on that when that came up like a month ago was that we can do more than one thing, right? We can watch a game in Orlando, an NBA game, and still be able to check out what's going on with um, my hood, my city, my block, and be able to find out what's mm -hmm. going on there. We still can be able to march while the Cubs and Sox are playing. So I, I don't believe that sports is a, a deterrent or distraction for us. Yeah, it's, it's just part of entertainment, just like Netflix, uh, just like anything else that we watch. So uh, sports is not a distraction for me personally, um, but for some – I, it, it may be, but I, I really believe that it's different now in 2020 than it was before. Uh, and, and when I was doing those uh, shows about George Floyd, I mean, I pushed sports to the side because sports didn't matter. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of shows about George Floyd on my program. And, you know, to, to see people in the shy, people in New York, people in Los Angeles, people in Salt Lake City, Okay, Salt Lake City, uh, uh, less than 1% black, and those are just the jazz players. Um, <laughs> you know, to, to be able to have the, those kind of marches going on uh, in supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, that resonated with me in a big way because it hits different. It didn't seem temporary. Yeah. And it's not, it, did, it, it's, it didn't seem temporary when there are people all over the world marching on behalf of George Floyd, on behalf of Breonna Taylor, and many that were unfairly slain because of police brutality. So um, it's our generation, but also younger. And I'm proud of that. That is just like, like, oh, these, these millennials that are so lazy that don't want to do anything are up, 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 up off their ass and they're marching on our behalf. And uh, that's pretty dope. Uh, sticking with what's going on in the world, obviously with COVID-19, got to ask you this, Jonathan, how, how not comfortable, but how uh, do you how how much of a confidence do you have, or do you think these seasons are going to be completed with MLB, NBA, the NFL hasn't started yet? How confident are you to think we think we're going to see these seasons, these leagues go through their entirety? I um I'm very encouraged by the numbers I've seen as of late, but I'm not fooled though. Okay, mm -hmm. um because even though baseball, the last round of tests they had was a zero point zero five percent. And NBA had all virtually no uh, positive tests. That's great. That's great to know. But we also know that we have to be a realist. The, I mean, seriously, COVID-19 is no joke. I lost a cousin because of COVID-19. Uh, Sorry. Sorry so, so, so we know it's real, right? So when, when you have these people that, uh, that believe that they know science after like three or four weeks mm -hmm. versus those that's been studying for 40 years. I'll trust mm -hmm. the scientists. I'll trust the lab coat dudes mm -hmm. and women. I'll trust them before I trust just people that think they know science. It's real. And, and so in the NBA with that bubble, I've talked to people that's in the bubble and they said it is like, it's safe. It's like being at the mall of America or wherever you're just, you're just in this one facility and it's a lot, a lot of rooms, a lot of places for you to go and they test you every day. And it's, and it's pretty safe. That's cool. Um, major league baseball. It's a little different because yeah. these dudes are going home mm -hmm. at night. Okay. <laughs> now, maybe not bars anymore, but they're definitely going home at night. And so they're still around a lot of players, even though this, the, ten, this, the uh, testing is pretty stringent there. Um, I'm not so sure about baseball, but I am sure about like the UFC. I'm sure about uh, the NBA. 
NHL, everything's up in Canada. All of it's all, all of it's in Canada. So none of it's going to be in the United States. Uh, and also, I'm not sure about the NFL. Um, I, I don't know how the NFL is going to get around this. We're, I'm going to talk about this on my show today. It's like they have these new helmets, right? And it's got like this mouth guard on the front of it and a shield. Well, mm-hmm. I can get claustrophobic pretty quickly. So I don't need – I can't do the shield thing. Usually that shield over a helmet is when someone gets poked in the eye and they're trying to protect their eyes. They want all the players to wear that. Well, fuck that. I'm not, I can't, <laughs> we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. Get me out of here. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But, and then the mouth guard thing, like <laughs> Davis knows, like you, you're, you're, you're spitting and you're trying to breathe and you're trying to make sure, like you're breathing all this in and like, it's a, it's a combat tackle Physical sport. How you get around COVID nineteen with all the testing on the NFL piece? I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with WWE when all that stuff happened down there. They had to kind of like get around it, but it's, it's to the point of being a contact sport. I don't know how they're going to get around it. I, I 100 percent agree. With you. <laughs> well, Miss McMahon doesn't believe in sick. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Is that a mask on? Is that a mask? Oh. <laughs> He's been he's been in meetings, right? He's been in meetings, and and somebody goes, you know, like almost sneeze, but not go all the way through. Yeah, he just stops the meeting. He just looks over, like, God damn it, was that a sneeze? <laughs> like that, right? And they're like, I'm sorry, but are you sick? <laughs> yeah. Like, like oh, it was just a sneeze. I'm not sick. Yeah. Like he doesn't he don't believe in sick because he's never sick himself. So it's right, right. And, so, and they had positive tests at, at uh, WWE, by the way. And, yeah. uh, because because he didn't believe in masks mm-hmm. and his talent didn't believe in masks. And so there was COVID tests there too. Yeah. Well, as we said, uh, this is going to be one of the last interviews D and I do with one, with someone together as he uh, stepped away. Uh, Jay Hood, you have definitely been um, a pillar uh, something for us to look to and a, a guiding light, to say the least. So we definitely appreciate you. Um, very good, big brother. A lot of people uh, in Chicago in general, we've been gifted with having a lot of not just brothers, um, women, uh, people that from other ethnicities that have really looked out. Um, but you you stand out among them and uh, definitely want to say appreciate uh, everything you've done for Dan Davis' show. Yeah, I, but one thing I wanted to say to trying to get Jonathan on here is to, uh, as I said before, I've been able to live out my dream, and uh, Jonathan Hood has been able has been a pillar uh, in my life for the past fifteen years. More than that, when I've listened to him as a fan, um, as a listener on the radio, and uh, I just wanted to get you on here, brother, and say I love you because uh, I, I think because I I don't think I would have been able to get this far without you being in my life. And uh, pushing Ken and I uh, to do what we're doing right here. Like, yes, I'm stepping away, but I'm ever for always going to be, at least in my eyes, your little bro, and uh, always going to be a fan to you. And um, yeah, man, I, I love you, man. I, and I thank you for uh, helping me uh, live out my dream. Um, let me just say this that um, I heard the podcast of you two, um, of D, you stepping away from the show. And my initial thought was, damn, first the bad boys, now you two. Um, so um, you guys will come together and have like a podcast one day and be called Hood Famous or something like that. And just, <laughs> you know, like those two have now. Um, so, Dia, I'll, I'll tell you something. Yeah. Um, I, I can't say that I'm not uh, – I, I can't say that I am uh, – 
not disappointed. I wish that you two would continue. I'll just be honest. I wish you two would continue. And I, I have a feeling that this is not the end. It's just goodbye for right now. I'll just tell you this, that there are many times in my career where in which I wanted to give my jersey away. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you're giving your jersey away by separating from the show. But it doesn't have to be forever. It could just be just for a moment for you personally. Get the cobwebs out. Get refreshed. Because this business does love you. You just don't realize it yet. You too, both of you guys don't realize it yet. Um, and you will at some point. Um, when you get the love back, I think all of us will definitely will be here when you guys return, whether it is together or separate, however this is going to work. But I... I can just say that I've enjoyed your show for a long time. And it's not many of us out here, so that's why it makes it more special for me to hear you two. And that's that's the thing. Like, yeah, I could just ride around Stony Island and listen to myself, but I'd do that anyway. I'm doing the show. I don't have to go around and listen to my own podcast mm-hmm. uh, or listen to Lauren to listen to Goff. Um, but you two are unique. And that's what made you, this show very special. Uh, I told you that from the beginning. I knew that this was going to be a successful show. My hope is is that you two can be able to return in some form. It doesn't have to be every week. I'd like for you guys to be able to come together because, again, we need that. We need that. Us as sports fans need that. Um, so I, I'm going to wish you guys well, but um, I'm hoping this is just see you later and not goodbye forever. Unless... There is some shit going on between you two that I don't know <laughs> in which I need to see that in book four. I can say right now, it's not. It's not. I can also say I hope I still get an invite over whenever we can able to get back together and watch some sports, whatever. I was like gonna that. say we can't even do that for the NFL this year. Just, well, yeah, that's true. We right. can't even do that. Okay, so you can do this. That's on you. I, I don't want you to put the COVID on me. All right. Just, just wear a mask and bring a bottle. I think we'll be fine. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Uh-huh. But listen, I mean, you, you definitely have business to attend to. Yes. You're much appreciated. Thanks for your kind words uh, to my partner in crime. He's always my partner, regardless if we're doing this or not. Yeah. Uh, tell your wonderful wife, hello. I hope she's doing well too, man. But Jay Hood, everybody, make sure you you, you listen to Under, Under the Hood on ESPN. He's also the voice of USC Flame. He's everywhere. He's on yeah. He's Busted, big. He's on Busted ESPN. Open Radio. ESPN radio, he's he's big time. All right. So follow him at Tweet J Hood. Um, definitely one of the best in the biz and nothing but love to you, man. Thank you. And hopefully this is just uh, see y'all later and not goodbye. All right. All right. Thanks, J Hood. Love you, man. Love you.